0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of Scripture, Matthew chapter uh, 27, verses 45 and 46, the fourth word of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma Zabakani, which means... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, or at least the crucifixion began at nine in the morning. At nine in the morning. I would think that except for the area around Golgotha, the area where Jesus was crucified, if you were in a city, things were probably going rather normally as people were preparing for the Passover. And yet the commotion that perhaps they heard, well, maybe that was all about uh, people saying, ah, they're the Romans again, destroying some some uh, some troublemaker that we've had among us. But then... <clears throat> After three hours at noon, things changed. Matthew tells us these words. He says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. In other words, the sixth hour, that's noon. The ninth hour, that's three o'clock. There was this eerie, awful darkness that came over the land. It wasn't the coming on of night (laughs) because it was the middle of the day. And it wasn't an eclipse. And you know why? Because an eclipse occurs when there is a new moon during the month of the moon and uh, how it moves and everything. But Passover, which was the very next day or starting that Friday night, uh, that was always figured out around a full moon. This was a strange and odd kind of darkness. If you look in the history books, and I don't know, I haven't seen exactly where these people have found this, but there are some who say that they have found certain um, references in Chinese history about a darkness that covered the land and it was around the time of Jesus. There are also some writings in the Roman archives that talk about this darkness that covered the city of Rome around the time of Jesus. But there is someone who does record it. His name is Dionysus, and he wasn't from Israel. He was from Egypt. And he said these words. He was a scientist, an Egyptian scientist. And he said this, that either the gods are suffering or the mechanism of the world is tumbling into ruin. That darkness certainly made an impression upon a lot of people. And I'm sure in the city of Jerusalem, there was a lot of consternation. There was a lot of wonder. What's going on here? And what was the worst part about it is it seemed like it never passed. You know, it didn't get better. I mean, it was there for three hours. For three hours and it was in this darkness that Jesus calls out, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Now what did he mean? And what does it mean for us? Yes, these are the fourth words of Jesus. And I said, at the introduction of the service today, these words are mysterious. These are tough words to even talk about. What did Jesus mean? If you were to look through the writings of the church fathers, those fathers of the church that existed maybe in 2nd century, 3rd century, 4th century, and you see all of their writings, they comment on a lot of different things from different parts of Scripture, but never once do they say anything about What does this mean? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Martin Luther even tried to uh, uh, understand them. In fact, he was writing some Lenten devotions. And he considered these words and he said that he had fasted. He had uh, spent many sleepless nights thinking about what do these words mean? And finally, he came out of his study and he said to the people around, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who can understand? Yes, who can understand? Some people simply say this, that when Jesus said those words, he was, well, he was a man, right? He was suffering. He was undergoing a lot of of torture, a lot of pain, a lot of agony. And perhaps he was just said or just led to to say these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it really has to mean more than that. I mean, Jesus wasn't the only one who was ever crucified, nor would he be not the, not only was he not the first, he was not the last. In fact, when you look up in history, uh, crucifixion, uh, the first time that it's recorded is in the year 519 B.C., when the uh, Persian armies uh, under Darius crucified 3,000 enemies all at the same time. The Persians taught the Carthaginians. The Carthaginians were sea people, seagoing people. They had great fleets. In fact, we're told that if any one of the captains of one of their fleets ever lost in a war, a battle rather, they would be crucified. (laughs) So I guess they better die in battle. But the Romans were the ones that made it famous. They were the ones who made it an art as far as crucifying people. The Romans are the ones, like I said, that made it popular. The point that I'm making is this. Since people were crucified long before Jesus and would be crucified after, it really has to mean more when we say my god my god why have you forsaken me it has to mean more than oh my god this hurts when you think about <clears throat> when you think about pain that people endure maybe you can all think about some time that you were in pain that you were in a hospital maybe you had an operation maybe a knee replacement maybe you had an appendix think of people that have gone through all kinds of things in this life, a car accident or some other kind of accident, or or perhaps a, a cancer, or perhaps some other disease, do they cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, maybe some have, but you know, a lot of times those very things, those very trials and troubles, that pain and agony actually brings people closer to God. And I've heard it many, many times where when someone went through that trial, I never felt closer to God than when this happened. And we can certainly understand that. Maybe some of you experienced the same. Again, Martin Luther said, as he explained this phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It simply boils down to this, he said. God forsook God. Who can understand that? I mean, there's Jesus, both God and man in one, right? From eternity to eternity. But he became flesh and he lived among us. He became a servant and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross, so that he could die and pay for the sins of all he experienced the bleeding he experienced the uh, the pain the agony he experienced the uh, the fever he experienced the the cramps he experienced the ridicule he experienced all the agony and the torture because he was a man but he was also god we often talk about those 33 years that he spent on this earth of as setting aside the full and constant use of his power. We call it uh, um, his humiliation. He did not use his power and might and strength as he could have to the fullest. He set it aside so he could die for the sins of all and pay the wages of sin. So how true it is. God forsook God. Jesus was forsaken by the Father. And you know what happens when God forsakes someone totally and completely? You know what we call that? We call it hell. We call it hell. And that's what Jesus was enduring. He was enduring hell, paying for the sins of all, because that's what our sins deserve. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said earlier, in fact, even more or even uh, more earlier than that, or earlier than that, um, if when Jesus was in the garden, you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? He was under great stress and great uh, great uh, pain and agony and, and all. And what did he pray? He said, Father, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but... Your will be done if it's possible. He didn't say, my God, my God. He said, Father. There he was speaking to his benevolent, loving, merciful Father in heaven. But here on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was speaking to the just and holy God, the God who is perfectly right in punishing sin. And that's what Jesus was enduring, the punishment of us all that included not only death, but hell itself. We often uh, often say in this life, uh, when people go through suffering of this kind or that kind, that that person went through hell on earth. Maybe you said it. Hmm? Uh, lady that many of you know, <clears throat> Edie, Heinz, Edie Hintz, uh, gave me a book to read when I was serving the uh, vacancy down in Lesby. I forgot the name of the book, but I remember the author. His name was uh, Bud Day. And maybe you've read the book. It's an incredible book. About a man. You'd think this is about John McCain, because the same thing that happened to John McCain had happened to Bud Day. He was shot down during the war in Vietnam. He was captured and then imprisoned in the Hanoi Hilton, the horrible, horrible prison camp. He escaped the camp in six years he was there. He escaped the camp seven times. One time he almost made. But you know, what? they always brought him back. And every time they brought him back, they punished him even more. Many would say about John McCain, whose uh, experience is well known, and Bud Day, maybe his experience isn't as well known. They went through hell on this earth. God had forsaken them. I remember back in 1984, this is, there's a reason why I remember this because I talked to a young man who escaped Iran in in that time. His family left. Uh, But during it was in 1984 that the Ayatollah Khomeini, some of you uh, older people probably remember that name, uh, performed a coup and caused the Shah of Iran to flee. And the Ayatollah said, because living under the Shah, was hell on this earth. Well, it's interesting that after that, the people who remained in Iran said the same thing about living under the Khomeini, living in hell under this earth, in this earth. We often talk about people saying they've gone through hell. I'm not in any way denying the fact that people are suffering. But when you talk about suffering from hell, Being forsaken by God, understand this. It means no blessings, nothing, only God's wrath and anger. And if we experience a ray of light, a passing shower, a crust of bread, that's not hell. That's not hell. Jesus suffered hell. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know why God forsakes people? The Bible explains it very clearly. The reason is sin, right? In fact, there's a passage in the book of Isaiah, one that everybody really ought to know. It says that sin separates us from God. And yet, what often happens in our lives as we live on this earth is we kind of forget just how awful and intense and how horrible sin really is. In fact, we, we kind of say things like this. Well, everybody's a sinner, right? I'm just like you are, and you're just like I am. God's not going to put everybody in hell, will he? And sometimes we even brag about our sins. I'm not going to ask you this question and have you raise your hand. But when you were a teenager and you got to use your father's car for the first time or the second time or the third time. Did you ever try to drive it as fast as you could to see how how fast it would go? <laughs> yeah. I didn't get caught. My dad never found out and neither did the police. But you know what? God knew. God knew. Or how about the other things that we do? We go out to a restaurant and and we stuff ourselves and brag about how full we feel. Or perhaps it goes to drinking. Yeah, I was so, you know, inebriated that I couldn't drive home. Or there are all kinds of other things. Don't brag about sin. Don't brag about sin because look what it caused Jesus to have to go through. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bible says that he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Bible says the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was bearing the sins that everybody in the world had ever committed or ever would commit. And he became, as the scripture says, sin for us. He didn't become sins for us. He became the epitome of sin. And I've had people say this to me, and I'll challenge them at this. Jesus became for us the greatest sinner the world has ever seen. And he had to pay for every last one of them, even to be forsaken by God, to suffer hell because that's what our sins deserve. I guess I would say, who can understand that? Who can understand that? But then understand this too. When Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Understand also, That when he endured all of that, it was for us and our sins were lifted from us, weren't they? They're not counting against us anymore. They counted against Jesus and Jesus paid for every last one of them. So even when we start thinking When we're going through all kinds of problems or troubles and we say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hold everything. Jesus did that. And when the devil comes along or or your own conscience just bothers you and bothers you and bothers you about the sins that you do and say, how in the world can God forgive you when you keep repeating that sin over and over and over again and we realize how much we sin every single day? How can God forgive me? Just remember these words of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so we wouldn't be forsaken. And then these words teach us one more thing, and that's this. Now think about this. Yeah, we go through problems. And who hasn't felt that? We have expressions like that, too. We say, uh, trouble comes in threes. Anybody hear that? Everybody use that? Yeah, trouble comes in threes. Kind of like going out into the ocean. And uh, there's a wave that hits you. And then pretty soon there's another wave that hits you. And then there's another wave that hits you. And we begin to think, well, God's punishing me. Hold everything. Remember the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words tell us that nothing was left behind for us to suffer. So when we take a look at those particular instances in our life, when we, when we, when we really do hurt, when we're going through pain, when we're we're experiencing some really lows in our life, just remember that it isn't because we're being punished for our sins. Jesus was all of that. But he even says to us, our Lord Jesus... That he's making all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. You can think of the worst thing that ever happened to you in your life. But some way, somehow, the Lord is using whatever it was for his good purposes. All because we know that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a man by the name of Robert Ingersoll. Um, Robert Ingersoll lived at the end of the uh, 1800s going into the 20th century. And uh, he made a living. He was an atheist and he made a living doing everything he could to insult Christians, to insult the Bible, to insult God himself. He didn't believe there was a God. In fact, he was once asked, Um, well, what about happens when you die? And he says, you don't need to worry about dying because all it is is this. It's a peaceful step into oblivion. In other words, when you die, you just fade out of existence. Wasn't the way he died. In In fact, there were people who attended his deathbed who actually became Christians because they didn't want to die like Robert Ingersoll did. He was afraid. He didn't know what was going to happen. But everything that he taught his entire life, quite frankly, wasn't helping at the moment. In fact, his very last words that he spoke were these. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Well, Robert Ingersoll, God wasn't the one who forsook you. You're the one who had forsaken God. Jesus was forsaken by God, the Father, so that we would would not be forsaken by him. So there's a lesson to be learned by these words, a huge lesson. Number one is this, there's a warning Don't forsake the Lord. But there's also a comfort. And the comfort is this, that Jesus was forsaken for you so that you would never be forsaken. Amen. Please rise. And now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.